FM Breakfast Show with the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. A special welcome to those listening listening in Meander, Tasmania on 87.8, at Launching Place in Victoria on 88, and our friends in Inverell, New South Wales on 87.8 this morning. Bit of a shout out to some of our different mm. stations uh, from around the country. Mm. And of course, as we come to the morning time, we always share something that we are thankful for, and I just want to begin by sharing... Uh, a story that I'm thankful for this morning. We had some pretty rough news yesterday. In fact, Shell and I have had a pretty rough fortnight mm-hmm. and it just doesn't seem to get any better. And Shell was talking to me on the phone as she was coming home about some of the events that had taken place and was just feeling super sad. She's pulled into the driveway and as she's pulled into the driveway, I've walked out there to, to, to greet her because I was home already. I was in the workshop down the back and as I'm walking up the driveway, this massively brilliant mm. rainbow just appears in the sky. Wow. You know, we've been having all of these floods lately. You know, our area right around Maitland, yeah, of yeah, course, yeah. is all just completely flooded. Mm. Gillison Heights has turned into Gilligan's Island. <laughs> uh, and it's just, you know, we, we look at this, we, we see all of this happening and God's like, you know what, I'm still here. Mm. And here's a... I mean, I still love you, and there's just the most brilliant rainbow that you've ever seen. We took a few photos of it. Just fantastic and super encouraging mm. to see something like that. And a reminder that, you know, God can do amazing things when we're feeling down. He can remind us he's still there. This is a reminder. You're listening to the delayed you're podcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. All right, Lawson, what have you got for our first quiz question for today? Let's have a look at our first quiz question. It is, what was the promise the two spies made to Rahab? Of course, you might be familiar with the story where they Rahab, you know, she protected the spies. She looked after these guys. And what was the promise that they made to her in exchange? 0491 is the number to call or text. Of course, we are going to have the draw for our prize today and our two books, Cook 30.2 by Jeremy Dixon, an incredible, amazing cookbook uh, that, yeah, essentially will give you the ability to make recipes absolutely from scratch that are vegan, healthy, Tasty and amazing, but also made in 30 minutes, as well as Nine Habits for Healthy Christians. If you want both of those books, if you want to win them in our draw, which will happen at around 8.45 today, 0491-064-669. What was the promise that the two spies made to rape? Rahab. All right, if you know the answer, you know the number to call, but right now we're going to have some positively different news. Lawson, go for it. Some positively different news uh, today. Hey, look, we, we're reflecting a little bit in our grateful section uh, just on hard times and, and difficult things. And it's, uh, yeah, there's been just lots of news, lots of tough news over the last, even 24 hours, but over the last week that we have heard about, you know, people passing away um you know we've been reflecting on just the last week and people being evacuated from their homes and experiencing and going through all kinds of turmoil and and really like it's 
it's it's bringing a lot of people to to a breaking point to the point where you're just sitting there and you're just crying and you're so upset and you're looking at this world that's falling apart and it's like man why why is this going on why is this happening now we know the reason why it's because of the existence of sin in our world but i was just reflecting this morning um because ultimately we sit here today as Christians who look at things like death and sin, knowing that there's a solution. And uh, my mind was just particularly and specifically taken to Revelation 21 and verse 4, where the Bible says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. For uh, there shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. I've just been praying that prayer and reflecting on that uh, at the moment. And I, I thought, hey, look, this is just some good news to sm- to start this morning, that ultimately we have a home in heaven uh, in which every tear will be wiped away uh, by God. That was just something I wanted to get off my chest, just something I've just been reflecting on in, in over the last day, particularly uh, just knowing that God is with us and that he has a plan for us to help us to overcome um the deep pain and the yes. sadness that we experience and feel on this earth. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Lawson. That, uh, we need to, we need to hear this kind of stuff, particularly when you know times are a bit rough. Yeah, that's right, that's right. But hey, I wanted to talk about a, a story this morning coming from Europe, where they're really tapping in to nostalgia. Nostalgia, nostalgia yeah. is a great thing. Actually, well, it can be a little bit blinding at times. You know, people call it the rose-tinted glasses, where it's a bit lame. But I love remembering things, thinking about things fondly. And particularly, Lyle, do you have smells that you smell and it immediately just transports you back to a place? Yes and yes. Could you you name any of them? You know, is there anything, like, in particular for you? Sure. Every time I climb into the cab of my J1 Bedford truck, it it immediately takes me back to my childhood. Wow. This is the smell. Mm-hmm. It has a unique smell. I don't know why or where it comes from, but it has a unique smell, and I'm immediately transported. Yeah. Oh, dude, totally. I uh... and there's so many le- and there's so many good memories of you know learning to drive in that truck. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I totally resonate. I have like two that come to mind. Firstly, the smell of two stroke. Like, yes, two stroke. Like, <laughs> yes. not the, not, uh, when it, it's just the fuel itself. I mean, like, cause two stroke fuel, you have to mix it with oil. But when you burn two stroke fuel, there's this very specific smell. I'll be like walking past a, uh, someone's house and they'll be whippersnipping and I'll smell two stroke. And it takes me right back to, I'm on my Kawasaki 85 riding in the backyard with my dad when I was like nine years old. Like, I can see it. It's a sunny day. It had just rained. So the ground is nice and wet and loamy. I'm doing la, I can even even I can see the corner that I'm going around as I'm smelling the two-stroke, like me and my dad are riding together. Like that, it just immediately comes to mind. The other smell. This is what I love about you, Lawson, because <laughs> both of us, our favourite smells relate to petrol <laughs> and time <laughs> with our dads. That's right. And it's you know, just- time with our dad teaching me to drive in the truck when I was like eight years old, <laughs> yeah. and we're driving around the paddock and we're picking up hay, and you know, I'm thinking I am just king of the universe because I'm behind the wheel of this thing. 
Yeah. So much in common. So much in this common. This is why we do radio the, well The together. other smell that hits me, and this isn't a smell that I smell often uh, because I, I don't drink, but, well, so at, at Newcastle University, they have this spot. It's called Bar on the Hill, and we, we take contacts there to study the Bible and to spend time with them because it's an open, empty space. It is, at the same time, a bar where people drink. Now, you know, I, I don't drink and definitely don't recommend drinking, but the smell of beer in the place. I used to live on top of a restaurant that was also used to be like a, a brewery, and yeah, every time walking down into the restaurant, like just the smell, you smell the smell of beer. And then, yeah, when we're at Newcastle Uni, like giving Bible studies and you, you hit that smell, I'm like, just transported. Now, in Europe, what they are trying to do using artificial intelligence and, and looking at different artifacts from the past is essentially create a museum of smells for you to experience and understand what it would have been like to live in earlier centuries of Europe. So some of the smells that they're honing into, for example, they have... Yeah, a lot of smells from earlier centuries in Europe I don't want to smell. That's right. You do not want to go anywhere near a city or a town in those days because it would be... Horrific. So some of the smells that they're trying to recreate is like disease, disease fighting perfumes. So, you know, if you think of during the plagues, uh, and whatnot, they came up with different perfumes and aromas that would, you know, enable you to overcome. They're trying to recreate those. They're also here, uh, recreating the smell of tobacco because everyone smoked back then and they're like, Oh, this is something to reflect on. We've forgotten and what the, uh, yeah, the, the yeah. good thing here is that people have forgotten what it smells like. The bad thing is like, why would anyone want to smell that? This one's kind of cool. The stench of industrialization. That That's like another thing that they tried. It's like, what would it be like to walk down, you know, a, a street in Birmingham in the 1800s and, and smell the factories and smell the cars and whatnot? Like, what would have that been like? And so they're, they're recreating these smells. And how they're doing it is by just finding like very well preserved books and art and different artifacts from each one of those periods to recreate those smells to give people some kind of of feel or understanding of what it would have been like living in that time and you know what? I'm I'm all for it. I would love to walk into a museum, and I, I, I'm I'm imagining you'd walk into an exhibit, you'd see a bunch of photos from the time period, and then all of a sudden you'd be hit with like the smell, just like a full sensory experience of of what is going on. I'd love to do that. I don't I don't know about you, Lava. I would. Oh, even even the gross smells. I would be like, you know what? That would be that would be an experience. But not even just Europe. Like, I'd love it if like you could you could go into like an exhibit where it's like, you know, an ancient Egyptian exhibit, and you smell the smell of sand, and I don't know the the Nile River, and and you just have like this full sensory experience of like being transported into. That how, do we, how, do, how do we really know what it smelled like back then? Well, Some this, of those things we know what they smelled like because we know what tobacco smells like. We probably know what the perfume smells like because we have the recipes for it. But yeah. there'd be some smells that it's like. Mm. Well, as I said, how they're like really enabling their themselves to be able to do this is they're taking artifacts from that time that have yes. been preserved and then like you know using like AI sniffers to see like okay what ingredients and chemicals are within the stench of this particular thing that we can recreate. Now, I would say, oh, we'll just do that further and further back. But I think ultimately, like, smells would wear off, right? So I don't think it's completely possible. But look, there's got to be a way. 
Yes. I'm I'm keen. I, like the the example of like the Nile that I just gave, like or like the Egyptian exhibit, I would love to experience that. Or like, I don't know, they could have one of like ancient Jerusalem, you know? No. <laughs> Definitely no. Definitely you know, no. You can smell the stench of the sacrifices in the temple. That wouldn't be as bad as the stench of the city. <laughs> When you've got lots of people living together, close together, in an environment where there's no deodorant, (laughs) there's no deodorant, it hasn't been invented, and the sewers are the streets. Not in ancient Jerusalem, they used to transport it outside. That's true. Jerusalem used to to do that. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It is good to know that Jesus is always faithful regardless of what is happening in the world right around us. Mm. Lawson, let's have the next question for our quiz. All right, the next question for the quiz. Who does 2 Corinthians say we should not be equally yoked with? 0491-064-669. Now this is... Equally yoked or unequally yoked? Unequally yoked with, sorry. Did I say equally? I meant... Unequal. Yeah, it just felt wrong somewhere. Yeah, okay. Who does Second okay. Corinthians say that we should not be unequally yoked with? Now, this is actually talking about relationships and, and whatnot. This is definitely, this is a, this is a passage that as a single young adult uh, often gets reflected on in, in my circles <laughs> and <laughs> talked about. Uh, but again, 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer. And if you do, uh, you can win our two different books that will be drawn today. Nine Habits for Healthy Christians, as well as Cook 30.2 by Jeremy Dixon. Guys, get your answers in, and if you do, you'll be able to go into the draw to win those two. But again, that question was, who does 2 Corinthians say we should not be unequally yoked with? And again, that number is 0491-064-669. Okay, so I've got some good news for uh, you, Lawson, and your circle of single friends. Oh. <laughs> okay, so new research that has come out of the United States has shown that the highest rate of success of marriages in the United States mm-hmm. is is Christian couples that marry in their 20s and do not cohabitate beforehand. So there's your three ingredients yep. for the highest rate of success. I see it. So unequally yoked is going to be right up there uh, as a part of that formula. Mm. Okay, so conventional wisdom in our world today is that you wait until your 30s to marry and that you try before you buy. And so by the time you've reached your 30s, you've had several different relationships and you're more qualified to be able to decide what's a good relationship and what is not. And the research is saying, no, that is not the case. The lowest divorce rates are amongst religious adults who marry in their 20s. Mm. I think... uh, How old are you, Lawson? (laughs) 23. Okay, you got seven years to go. <laughs> seven years to get this sorted. I think um, something that's important to reflect on, though, is like this This doesn't mean that they go into relationships and, and marriages blind. Like, definitely spend time with the yeah, person. Yeah, yeah. Do, when I say try before your research, you buy, I'm talking about cohabiting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, like, in, in regards to, like, oh, wait, so if I'm 20 something and i'm single and i'm christian i should just find the first other 20 something single christian and just bam like just get it done immediately and i'll be good yeah why not no that's not that's not what uh, what i did work you're in fairyland lyle you're you're in fantasy land no no it's it's i think that there's something to be said there about qualifying Yes, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. This is where the research comes out. This is research by uh, Bradford Wilkin 
Wilcox and Lyman Stone for the Institute of Family Studies Mm -hmm. uh, found that 20-something marriages are no obstacle to professional success or a stable marriage. Mm. Their analysis indicates that religious men and women who married in their 20s without cohabiting first had the lowest odds of divorce in the United States. Mm. Uh, They found that religious singles in their 20s are more likely to have access to other religious singles who share their vision for a family and what Mm. that family would look like, Uh, that religious guys in particular have a more long-term outlook as far as relationships go. They share morals and values. Um, Other guys, they pointed out, you know, a lot of other guys in their 20s are looking for a good time Mm. rather than, you know, and to get lucky, Mm. so to speak, rather than to actually have a relationship Whereas religious guys are like, no, I want to have a relationship. I want to start a family. True. I want to have some kids. And uh, yep. And that all goes. Agree. Towards, yeah, this is, this is Lawson's plan. <laughs> He's right there. Um, this is this is what uh, you know what what works for them. The other thing is that cohabitation by itself is generally harmful to marriage. Mm. And there's separate research by the Institute of Family Studies that uh, couples who cohabit were 15% more likely to get divorced than those who do not. Mm. number of different reasons for that. First of all, there's a lack of commitment. A lack of commitment then has a follow-on lack of trust because the door is always open in a cohabitation, mm. uh, which lack of trust leads to a poor relationship. And that, of course, leads to head games. You have your doubts, you have your thoughts, you have your dreams, you have your suspicions, you have like, well, you know, are we committed to this relationship? Or We've never made an official commitment to this relationship, so is it going anywhere or not? And then, of course, if they then seal that deal with a marriage at some time in the future, then they've got this long history of established distrust, Mm. which is just acid on the relationship. Couples who cohabit with someone's Beside their future spouse, spouse always see leaving as an option. And then the other challenge with it is if you've cohabited with several people before your marriage, then once you go into your marriage in the future, you're carrying all of those comparisons with you. Mm. And so, you know, 10 years down the track, you might start to think, well, I'm with this person now, but if I was with that person, what would my life be like now? Mm. Whereas couples who don't cohabit don't have those challenges with uh, comparing. Okay, I did promise that I was going to talk about Stonehenge in the United States and Karen has texted through to say that there is Stonehenge in Queensland. Yes, that's to the west of Toowoomba and just south of Glen Innes, there is also Stonehenge in New South Wales. Bro, you guys are lost. What are you talking about? It's in, it's in England. Okay, so I'm going to talk about Stonehenge in the United States and it just blew up. Uh, did- Somebody <laughs> full-on bombed the place. <laughs> Blew the thing sky high. <laughs> okay. So funny. Wait, so this was a, please wait, tell wait. me it was on the 4th of July. Uh, it was the 6th. Oh, come on, guys. Okay, so I'm reporting on it now because I just sent an excavator in to finish it off, uh-huh. and uh, that took place in the last few hours. But this was a granite monument that stood out of uh, Elbert County in Georgia. Uh, it was six granite stones. They weighed together about 1,080 tonnes. Uh, these are massive stand, uh, uh, slabs of stone, uh, commonly referred to as the American Stonehenge. And what happened was in 1979... Oh, I'm, okay, I'm just looking at pictures of this now. This is really sad. No. Well, maybe. Anyway, whatever. In 1970, you got to hear the story behind this. Okay. A fellow by the name of Robert C. Christian, mm-hmm. and that was not his name. We do not know what his name was. 
Uh, he approached the Elberton Granite Finishing Company on behalf of a small group of loyal Americans with plans, 10 pages of plans for these stones. Mm-hmm. The Elberton Granite Finishing Company thought, this guy's a nut, they didn't really want the job. But, you know, when you're quoting on a job that you don't want, you just grossly inflate the price and so the price went up. They just put a price that was like three times more than, uh, you know, anything they'd ever quoted in their lives ever before. Mm. And the guy just accepted the quote without question. He still paid. That's right. And his money was good. So they did the job and built the thing. The guy bought the five acres that it's on off one of the local farmers so he's bought this property and then given the farmer unlimited grazing, lifetime grazing rights to it. So the farmer gets to be paid for this land and still gets to use it. So obviously a lot of money behind whoever built this thing. Mm. Like, I mean, seriously well-funded. So they build this, this, uh, this stone henge here and you've got your four-hour stones were oriented to mark the limits of the 18.6 year lunar declination cycle. Uh, the centre column features a hole drilled at an angle from one side to the other through which the North Star can be seen. The same pillar has a slot carved in it which uh, aligns with the sun solstices and equinoxes. And then there's an aperture in the capstone allowing a ray of sun to pass through at noon each day, shining a beam on the centre of the stone, indicating the day of the year. Mm. So it's got all this astronomical stuff, but then there is a 10-point message written for the world in 12 languages. Mm -hmm. And this 10-point message was really what the stones were all about. And point number one was to maintain humanity under half a million people population in perpetual balance with nature. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's been the origin of a lot of conspiracy theories right now, and the fact that they just blew up is starting those theories up all over again. And so then there was a bunch of other, you know, kind of new agey kind of things, uh, guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity, unite humanity with a single living new language. Babylon right there. Uh, um, yeah, this is super lame. I'm like reading this as well. Yep. This is terrible. <laughs> Rule, passion, faith, tradition, all things tempered with reason. So this was, you know, the goddess of reason. Protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. Let all nations rule internally resolving in external disputes in a world court. Avoid petty laws and useless officials. That sounds good. Uh, balance personal rights and social duties. Uh, prize beauty, love, seek harmony with the infinite. Don't be a cancer on the earth. Leave room for nature and leave. Yeah. So full-on New World Order, hardcore stuff (laughs) right here, and it just blew up. up. Why is that? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we are about to get into our interview of the day. Before we do, we have another question for our quiz. All right. This is a multiple choice one, guys. So pay attention. Which of the following men was not a king of Israel? Elah, Amram, Omri, or Zimri? I'll give you to that. I'll give you guys that again. It's which of the following men was not a king of Israel? Elah, Amram, Omri, or Zimri. 
0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. And if you do, you can go into the draw to win nine habits for healthy Christians along with Cook 30.2, uh, that one by Jeremy Dixon. Guys, we'll give this to you for free. All you have to do is get lucky in a draw. And all you have to do to get lucky in the draw is enter the draw. So make sure 0491-064-669, get your answers in and you'll be, you'll be there to play. You'll be there to win. There you go. All right. You know the number. You know how to give us a call. Joining us on the phone right now uh, for a monthly conversation about apologetics is Dr. Sven Erstring. Dr. Sven Erstring, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyland and Lawson. How are you? We're Fantastic. doing we're doing amazing. God is good. Um, and God is God is blessing. <laughs> Dr. Sven Erstring, what is our subject for today? Yes. The subject for today is about vision, vision. And um, uh, Lyle, the fact is, is that every good leader has, has a vision. And, um, and the question that we need to be asking today is, what is the, the vision of Jesus and why would we want to join? So, for example, you know, if you're going for a new job, uh, you'd be wanting to say, okay, well, what, what is the, the vision of the CEO, what is what is the vision of the leader of this um, this company, and, and do I want to join? Um, similarly, with uh, politics, uh, you could be asking, you know, what is the the vision of this leader? So we've just heard on the news, um, as you'd well be aware, that Boris uh, Johnson is resigning. Um, mm-hmm. So England is looking for a new prime minister, a le- new leader for the Tories, and um, the question, of course, is who has the vision. Uh, they can lead England into the future. And, of course, at election time, we have the same uh, question we need to ask as well. Mm. Yes, and, I think this is a really valid question when you're looking at Christianity and you're choosing a religion. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. So in terms of of apologetics, um, the personal question, you know, we can, we can talk about a whole lot of different things, but a personal question that that someone needs to ask, whether they're sceptical or maybe curious or maybe quite interested in, is what what was what is the vision of Jesus? And that's what I want to explore um, this morning. And it really comes down to to a very simple thing when you actually go to the Bible and do a bit of study. Uh, so you know, as we as we study the Bible, which is a record of the, the life and the teachings uh, of Jesus, what you find out is this, is that Jesus' vision was the kingdom of God. Uh, so if you, if you go back to the very first um, uh, verse that uh, is recorded, the first statement that is recorded in Mark chapter 1, uh, it says this, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. We'll come back to that in a moment as well, say, and saying the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Uh, so keep that word, the gospel, uh, in your mind uh, if you're listening in, and, and we will come back to that. But, you know, that was right at the start. So you can see that the kingdom of God is is embedded in there. It's at the very heart of what Jesus is saying there. And then as you go through his life, uh, through his journey with him in the Bible, uh, you find that Jesus told many stories um, to illustrate what the kingdom of God was like. So he'd often start off like this, you know, the kingdom of God is like, and then he'd tell a story. And, and there's so many different stories that he could tell. And then uh, right at the end, um, it says that uh, just before 
he left before he went back to uh, to heaven. Uh, the Bible records this. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs. Uh, so it, Jesus was into apologetics as well. And appearing to them uh, during 40 days and and, um, and and speaking, what did he speak about? About the kingdom of God. So that's the real focus. And I guess the question that you know anybody needs to ask um, you know, whether you're a Christian or whether you're skeptical or whether you're curious or interested is, well, what is the kingdom of God? What, what is it? What is it all about? And so that's what we want to dive into today, uh, Lyle. Yeah, um, and, it's, and it's very interesting to, to consider this, you know, particularly when you compare religions around the world and the various religious leaders that have existed, like Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius or, you know, whoever it might be. There have been a lot of religious, major religious leaders who have founded global worldwide religions from time to time. And it's interesting to compare the, the various visions. But, Leah, let's talk about the vision that Jesus had. Yes, exactly, exactly. You know, um, say with uh, Buddhism, uh, the you know it's more it's much more of a ph- uh, philosophy. It's a philosophical kind of um, uh, way of living. Uh, you know, if you go to to Islam, what's the vision there? And, and this is the question: What is the the vision of Jesus? So, uh, just to kind of really uh, bring it down to kind of simplify it, how I would describe it is this: so the kingdom of God is where God is in charge. Uh, so, so it's His kingdom. And when, when God is in charge, um, he, um, that's where he is king, to, to put it simply. He, he is in charge of that, um, that situation, that, um, that relationship, uh, that community. Um, but, you know, to give it a little bit more of a sort of qualitative, you know, more of a description, what you find in the Bible is that the, the Bible describes what the kingdom of God is like. It says, you know, the kingdom of God is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And, and so I guess, Lyle and Lawson, I guess the question is, you know, is that the kind of, is that kind of the life that you would like? Is that the kind of, you know, experience? Would, would you like life to be um, described or have the qualities of righteousness, peace, and joy? Would that be something that you'd like? Yes, definitely. Sign me up. Sign me up right now. That's, what, that's exactly what I want to experience in my life. Yeah, and so this is the vision of Jesus. This is the vision of Jesus. Now, the other thing, um, and, and we could continue to talk about, we, that was just a kind of quick uh, description, but the other very important thing is this, uh, Lila Lawson, is that, remember I said that Jesus started to talk about the good news, and good news is really, really good in the contrast to, to bad news. Um it's you know when when you're in a really bad situation, then good news is just oh so sweet if I could put it that way, mm-hmm. and and so so this is this is really really um, so so important to think about, and sometimes we do have to face uh, the bad news. Um, for example, um, uh, when we go to to another part of the Bible, when when Paul was writing to some churches in Galatia, uh, which is in Turkey. Um, this is what he wrote. Now, the works of the flesh um, are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, 
as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's a different kingdom. People in that kingdom, uh, when they're committed to those things, are going in a different direction. But immediately, he, he contrasts it by saying, but the fruit of the Spirit, talking about the kingdom of God, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there is no law. Sounds amazing from my perspective. I don't know about you, but I'm going like, yes, sign me up as you were saying as well. Yep. Uh, yep. You compare those two lists together and it becomes a bit of a no-brainer as to which one you, which, which vision you want to be a part of. Absolutely, absolutely. And so this, this brings us back um, to the gospel. Uh, so, if you remember, I kind of started off by by um, uh, referring to a, a statement in the Bible where, where Jesus comes to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. Gospel is a kind of old-fashioned word I, I recognize. Um, the, the more sort of contemporary one is good news, good news. Yes, yes. And so, so the, the key thing is this, is if you... Um, if you're considering Christianity, if you're considering um, whether Jesus is the leader uh, that you should, you know, sign up for, you should vote for, and not only vote for, but you should follow, you should um, build a really strong relationship, you need to understand the gospel. And so just, you know, when as you put all this together, what you find is this, is that, that Jesus came with good news. And the first thing is this, if, if we were to summarize that message, the message is, is this, is that God created a, a perfect world. Uh, our world was, was perfect. And, of course, I know that raises a whole lot of questions that we've talked about that before. And, and if you do have questions, if you're listening in, uh, we can come back to that. But God created a perfect world um, about 6,000 years ago. But the, this is when the bad news comes in. The bad news comes in that, that God actually has a, an enemy, a cosmic spiritual enemy, um, who, who is fighting for our allegiance. And this is where it becomes very dramatic, uh, Lyle. It's, it's like this, it's almost like a, a film, you know, where, where you have the, uh, the good guy and the bad guy. So, so God, God is the good person who's created this world. Uh, but you have this intruder, this person who's breaking in. And the, the intruder, uh, who the Bible calls Satan, or somebody who accuses people, he comes into the scene and he um, challenges our understanding of God. He, he um, invites us to, to be skeptical of God, and we fall for it, Lyle. Mm. Um, we really do. We, we fall for it. If I could put it this way, hook, line, and sink it. You know the you know the term. We just go for it. And and the fact is this, Lyle is and Lawson. You know the things that we see around us today are actually the result, the bad things. They're a result of us um, mistrusting God, giving in, um, be, being um, uh, deceived by this intruder, this spiritual intruder. Um, but then the good news comes in. The good news is that God doesn't abandon us. He doesn't say, well, you know, tough, you've, you've made your choices, you know, lie in your own bed that you've made, uh, you know, walk on your own track that you've chosen. No, he, he says, no, I still love um, you. He, he still loves people, even though we might have made the wrong choice, even though we might have walked away from him. He comes and he says, I'm going to enter in this world. And he, 
He, um, God comes into our world in a, a specific person, and that is Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus is the person that comes to tell us about the kingdom of God, that the kingdom that we're currently experiencing, the spiritual kingdom, um, which is defined by all of those negative um, things that we talked about, that is not the only world, that's not the only life that is possible. There, there is another possibility, there's another choice. So Jesus comes in, he, he demonstrates what it's like, and, and then, um, and it's a, it's a very deep topic, he, he died because of all the bad things we've done, all of the, the mistakes that we've made. And, and that, is just, that is just incredible that the God of the universe would do this for us. But that's not the end of the story. He rose back to life and to, to give us the promise that we can have eternal life, that we can, we can uh, live with God forever. And, and then he goes back to heaven. He, um, he's involved in continuing to build that relationship. Um, but right now, this is another part of the good news, is that he is in the process of wrapping it up. He's in the process of, um, as the Bible would say, judging all the bad things that are happening in the world and, and wrapping it up, and he's coming back uh, to take us home. And so we're, that's the, the story in a nutshell, if I can put it that way. And then the question is this. What, what is the response? When, when you think about it, when you think about everything that God has done, um, what, what God is, is telling us, what Jesus is inviting, he's, he's saying, we need to repent. We need to make a spiritual U-turn. Currently, we're heading down this road um, into you know strife, into um, pain and suffering, um, and he's giving us an opposite choice. He's saying, turn around, repent, and and believe, trust him, trust uh, him because he's demonstrated how good he is, and then follow him uh, for for the rest of our lives. And and Lyle and Lawson, that's not to say that you know we'll. We'll always uh, get it perfect. We, we might um, stumble along the way, but if we put our trust in him, if we put our faith in him, if we believe in him, then he will uh, take us home. He, it'll be a home run with Jesus. Uh, and, and that's the good news. And so, you know, when you think about not only the vision of Jesus, but you also think about the, the message and the invitation. Um, Lyle Lawson, I'm going like, that is incredible. That is something to really consider, and not only to consider, to but, but to commit to as well. And so, um, you know, it says uh, in the book of Acts that, that he shared many proofs about his, his suffering and his resurrection. That's what apologetics is about. But the bigger picture is yet, is that there is a kingdom which is, is better than what we have. It's, it's the best. And Jesus has done everything uh, to create that uh, uh, vision, to make that vision possible, and we're being invited to step into it. So that's mm. kind of a big summary um, uh, for each one of us uh, to consider, uh, to explore, and even to, to commit to, to say, yes, I'm going to be part of that that kingdom. It's pretty amazing, Lyle. Dr. Sven Erstring, thank you so much for joining us here on Faith FM this morning to talk about the vision of Jesus Christ and the big picture, the bigger picture of life eternal with God. We appreciate what you have to say. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.